Good morning. It is Friday, October 26th, and this is Chickie Fitzgerald, and you have joined the Executive Girlfriends Group call, and we are pleased today to have as our guest uh, business pioneer, Nan Kirsten Forte. Nan, did I pronounce that right? I I know uh, you have a, a hyphenated first name as opposed to last name. Is that correct? That is correct, and that you know, we we can talk to my mother about that at some time. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we can talk to my mother about my name too, but she's not with us anymore. But why don't we actually just start with you telling me about yourself? Because we're going to jump in and we're going to talk about uh, new models in established industries, and we're going to talk about what you're doing at Travora, and I'm sure we'll talk about what you did at WebMD. But take us back as far as you'd like. Well, I I think the there is a theme a little bit to um, how I ended up where I did as a woman in business. And so that's probably the reason why context is important. And I, I sort of tell the story as a funny thing happened on my way to medical school, <laughs> and um, which I never finished. And, uh, you know, it's still on the to-do list. But I think I – think, um, my career has themes to it um, that all are driven by passion um, for myself and in trying to be both successful and accomplished and do things that I wanted to do in a way where I very much wanted to benefit other people. That was part of my um, career choice that I wanted to do things that, that were of benefit um, to society at large. I really found myself believing strongly in consumer advocacy regardless of where the regardless of where the vertical was. I'm doing it now in travel and I can talk about that a little bit later and I started it in health. On the way to medical school when I was just graduating from college, Swarthmore College in Pennsylvania, I um the the um I was a virology major and the AIDS crisis was breaking out. This was the mid eighties. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time where patients really knew more about their disease and condition than the doctors that were treating it. And they had to become advocates for themselves to figure out what is this disease and and why are all my friends dying and how do I survive and thrive through this and live, live for years and years and years, which many people with AIDS do. And... As a virology major, I was studying the virus. Once I came to New York City, um, about to attend medical school at Columbia, I I saw the impact of the disease on a social level. And they had to be, this group of AIDS patients had to be activists in a way. They had right. to really be harsh um, in their actions to be heard and to create a space for them. And a light bulb went off in my head. Uh, I had never been a great test taker. I was labeled as a young child as a quote-unquote overachiever. My (laughs) brain works in different ways. I have dyslexia. I have dyscalculia. You know, I've probably got everything that my children now have, you know, formal diagnoses for. And I always struggled with... um, with that moment when a light bulb goes off, because they do believe for all of us, regardless of what it is, whether it's how to find something superfluous, like the greatest buy at the food market, to something much more serious, which is how to negotiate 
um, you know, through a health issue to something um, maybe more, uh, you know, on the consumer level, you know, everywhere in between of how we all feel empowered about information, you know, for ourselves and for those we love. I mean, that became the theme. And struggling myself with formal education and with wanting those light bulb moments, you know, what happened to me was that at the time there were a ton of doctors who were graduating medical school in the mid-'80s who actually weren't getting jobs. That wouldn't be the case now, but that was the case then. And um, I chose to defer myself and to start to tell the stories of these people, but most importantly through the whole context of those in the know and those not in the know right and mm-hmm. um and how that changes and that's really what happened to me at webmd i mean it was no mistake that i ended up there i and I, how did you run across alan greenberg well alan i worked for at Whittle communications ah so okay alan hired me um so i i didn't finish medical school i started working on documentaries and being a health communicator and focusing on new media and so Whittle Communications actually hired me. Um, I was fully pregnant with my uh, first child. Um, <laughs> as, they, as opposed to partially pregnant. <laughs> yeah, like literally nine months pregnant, um, which, you know, every time in my career I've always been hired like in my eighth or ninth month of pregnancy, which is just mind-blowing to me, but it does happen, which is fantastic. Um, but... Um, but uh, Alan hired me at Whittle Communications to run Medical News Network, which was the the sister to Channel One. So Channel One, which is now owned um, by K12, was bringing direct broadcasts, you know, into the schools through TV channels. And Medical News Network was the same thing. And Special Reports Television, we were bringing newscasts into the doctor's office, and we were also bringing special health reports with Joan London into the doctor's waiting room. Um, right. That business, you know, that business really got, and this happened to me many times in my career, um, you have a technology shift, um, and and it can it can literally change a company overnight, and that's what happened to Whittle. So Whittle was investing in what was called direct broadcast satellites, closed-circuit television. Um, I think they even played around a little bit with um, some technology at one point called uh, – was bigger than CD-ROMs. I forget what it was. But anyway, overnight, we, we put satellite dishes on doctor's offices and satellite dishes on schools. And within six months, um, those satellite dishes went from the size of, you know, um, three Suburbans to the size of a pizza box. Right. And that actually killed that business. So I ended up shutting that medical news network down for them. They actually asked me to remain on, sell the assets to them, uh, sell those assets, which, you know, Everybody was running through the for the doors, and I said to myself, "Well, they've asked me to stay on. They're going to pay me for a year to settle this out for them. I'm going to learn a lot about shutting down companies, which is really important, <laughs> and a lot about assets. Right. And I, I did, and I did, you know, and I've used it to this day. And so we. Yeah, I was going to say I'm an expert on that too, not not necessarily by choice. Well, I tell people, I say, you know, I'm a lot like Babe Ruth. I have. I have hit hit the big, you know, the big time as many times as I've, you know, shut things down. And what's really important is knowing those moments, knowing when you're in trouble. Um, 
so, you know, I think that's, that's equally as important. But anyway, that's how I met Widow Communications, and that really stimulated my passion in new media and bringing right. information to people, bringing information to people, you know, in different contexts than where they got it. That that has stayed with me to this day. Now, I know he was, uh, Alan was also involved in some travel enterprises. Did you have any exposure to travel then? I, you know, just a little bit. So Alan, when, when we, it, it's funny, it's a strange bedfellow of health because, you know, Jeff Arnold as well, right, the founder of WebMD, he um, and Jeff and Alan and I all worked very closely together because it was myself and Jeff and Alan and one other person, Reggie Bradford, who, you know, did the deal on, on them buying our company. And, right. um, and you know, Jeff actually has a health, he's got a health property share care, he's got a travel property, Startle and the Forbes Travel Guide, and Alan hmm. then went to uh, Last Minute Travel, which became a part of Travel Holdings. So Alan and I have, have actually not sat down in the last year because he's been so busy with Avenues, right, the new right. school in New York, um, the new Chris Whittle school that, you know, uh, where they got Surrey Cruz, you know, as a student, so they're good to go. Um, uh, he's been so busy with it, we actually haven't sat down and talked about it, but it is a strange bedfellow to health. There are other people like Jim Hornthal, who I met, right, who's got yes. Triparati now. He was yes, yes, I travel, know him well. And then, yeah, and then he went into Health Central, right, and became sort of the number three competitor to WebMD for a couple of really? years. So, yeah, so for, it, what's bizarre is, I think that they're strange bedfellows now, health and travel, and and, and the reason why, and, and this is something that, um, and I was talking to, and I'm sure uh, you know Henry Hardevelt, right? Oh, very well. So I was talking to him yesterday, and I was saying, it's so interesting. <coughs> when I first went into travel um, and was meeting with some um, investors out in Silicon Valley, they said, well, you know, Nan, uh, you know, travel's so different than health. Travel's episodic. I said, are you kidding? Health is episodic, too. Right? Nobody, <laughs> you know, for as, for as big and famous as I grew WebMD, right, and how many people hit that homepage every given day, I'll tell you, you know, nobody went to the WebMD homepage for shits and giggles. Right. You know, uh, that way it wasn't like, oh, let's see what's on the WebMD homepage today, you know. What, what do I want to read about, diabetes or hypertension, right? Um, <laughs> it, was, it, it was episodic. It was when you needed it and where you needed it. You know, exactly. the fact that we, we could, you know, the fact that we could catch your interest in, in some lifestyle stories and maybe some stories on relationships and feeling better and looking better, you know, that was the method. Travel is the same way. It's very episodic. And yet right. it's, a constant, it's a constant in all of our lives. And health is very episodic, and yet it's a constant in all of our lives. And exactly. Well, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I was just talking to somebody from one of the major insurance companies yesterday, and I was asking if they were aware whether anybody had ever did a study about the benefits, uh, particularly when somebody is hospitalized, of having their friends and loved ones uh, come to actually be with them during their recovery. And oh, yeah. Yeah, so that, that link, again, between travel and, and health from a different perspective, because, of, of course, now I run 
uh, a number of travel businesses that are focused on raising money uh, for charity and where we are doing, you know, hotels by hospitals so that, uh, you know, the hospital can actually extend out an easy booking service, not to the patients, because the patients obviously are staying, you know, within the hospital, but to the folks who are uh, actually coming to visit them. And I would love to be able to to find that direct correlation. So maybe as a sidebar conversation, you and I can talk about that, because uh, you probably have some interesting connections uh, with the WebMD background that might help me find that information. Oh, yeah, and there's also, I I do want to connect you, there's a woman who sat on the, um, I sat on the advisory panel for Medicare education for many years. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a government uh, position that I did as a private citizen, not as part of my WebMD, but obviously they use my WebMD title, but um, the the, the area that you're talking about, I, I am passionate about and and I'm glad that you're looking at it, is how to, you know, get people um, surrounded by their loved ones and, and to do that. It, it, what Henry said which yesterday, which, which I'm going to quote him on, was so important. He said, you know, Nan, in both travel and in health, we have to cede control at many different points to somebody else. Right. And what we're trying to do is restore that control and restore that sanity as we go along. So then when you combine both health and travel, right, in both cases, you're at the mercy of the airlines, you're at the mercy of the hotel, you're at the mercy of the doctors, you're at the mercy of the nurses. You're not always getting clear communication. And that is, you know, that is a double whammy of both absolute exhilaration when you can let other people help you, right, which happens in both cases, and absolute humiliation when you are at, you know, you are at the mercy of those people in, in, in any way, shape, and form, and you're truly, you know, no different than anyone else that has to get moved from a room to a room or a... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's interesting. Well, that's a great segue into talking about what you're trying to do with Trevora. And, you know, it it, it is a very interesting story, and I, I was sharing with you before we went live on the air that, uh, you know, when I saw the name Trevora, I thought, you know, I should know this because I've been in the travel industry for, you know, 32-plus years. And uh, as I started unpeeling the onion and went back and looked at, at, you know, your story and joining the company, it actually announced that you joined Travel Ad Network. And I said, ah, aha, that's who it is. And then, of course, looked at uh, the company acquiring the Nile Guide and this content and media play and then started, uh, I, I'm actually working on a project um, with some folks in the cruise industry right now. And, uh, you know, I mentioned that you were going to be on the show today. And they said, oh, yeah, we love Travora. And I thought, okay, do, do they love, like, the new Travora, the, the, the consumer, uh, you know, kind of the C-net of the travel industry of pulling together all of this content and, and news? Or do they love, you know, the ad network side? So tell me about both sides of the company and uh, tell me what you guys are trying to do. Right. Well, uh, you have to love both sides of the, the company because one makes the money, <laughs> and the other <laughs> and the other will grow the audience. Right. right. Um, yeah. So you know, uh, I believe in media. I've believed in media my entire career. Um, some forms of information, I feel, again, putting myself back in the fact that I'm an information consumerist, um, and it's all about, you know, putting information in the hands of consumers 
that they don't have to pay for. And in the cases of health, as well as in the cases of travel, this information needs to be free, and, and then therefore the business model is to have the advertiser supported um, in very clear ways where consumers can always see the difference between editorial and advertising. And though that you, you can look at this theme and then you can understand our businesses. So right. Trevora was the former Travel Ed Network. Um, when I came in, when I started talking to this company, which was months before I actually joined it, I didn't like the term ad network because it it is a negative term or it had become a negative term in the in the industry. It had also become a generic term, right? Um, mm-hmm. That when you read news stories, it would be like, oh, the Chinese ad network, the German ad network. It became a generic term, and I am a believer in brands. Right. I'm a big believer in brands, and it's very hard to attract brands to your media business if you yourself are not a brand. Um, yes. Then, and the way the industry has turned is that if you're not a brand and you're just a nameless, faceless advertising network, then in essence, listen, there's plenty of computers today, right, that can buy that right. media better than a 21-year-old in an agency. And so, you know, with the advent of supply-side and demand-side media, with the advent of real-time bidding and arbitrage and the likes of AdMeld and AdX and AppNexus and, you know, whichever side of the supplier-demand side you're on, the, the company to me had tremendous potential as a representer, as a way to help travel publishers who really needed to spend their time and energy on creating better product and on growing their audiences, right? Our our ability had to be sharpened in how we were able to represent the value of their inventory to advertisers and brands that wanted to be there. So it right. just the renaming and rebranding became a part of, you know, the actual revaluing proposition of what we had, where the marketplace was where the marketplace needed to be. And so it was a natural. The fact that when we created the rebranding, we knew at the time that we wanted to create a showcase portal that in essence would not compete with all these 300 travel publishers that we represented, but would help right. to lift them up, would help to lift them up, right? That became I you know, that became a huge um issue that I had to deal with, much like at WebMD. Right? right, I spent my first five years making sure that doctors did not hate us, and embracing them. And and the magazine did that, and we did. There was a variety of ways that we got doctors to actually embrace WebMD information, even though they would joke about their patients who would come in with, you know, um, stacks and stacks of paper. You know, that that kind of thought, you know, has 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 gone away, and now you know now doctors need to do that. But it was the same key. Right travel, which was how do we not alienate the professional travel agents, how do we not alienate all the publishers that we represent, which is how we make our money, right, splitting advertising and sponsorship revenue with them, how do we create a property that helps them because they didn't just need monetization help. So what I had found out in travel was all these sites, quote, unquote, in the spring of 2011 got hit by something called Panda. And um, what happened was all these travel sites lost a lot of their traffic online, some of them half, some of them even more than half. This happened before I entered the industry, but I'm very familiar with what it's like as a company to go up against Google. So you had right. Google buying ITA, you know, now Fromers and Zygots, 
etc. And so all these little dot com travel publishers are now up again, you know, as well as the biggies. But they can, you know, hire their own lawyers. They're they're they have more wherewithal to uh, help themselves than these little than these little tiny publishers, you know, with five, six, you know, ten million people on their websites. They all got hurt, and so the other business need became if we don't help these publishers grow their traffic, we can't grow our revenue. And so right. there's only so much we can do with packaging it and coming up with new products. We actually have to not just, you know, help them to do this, but we actually have to lead the way and show that you can create beautiful experiences, and that is the only way to attract beautiful advertising. Because one of the biggest challenges that I saw as a consumer in travel, and I've been quoted as saying this, is it's, to me it's like mental death by a thousand flight widgets. It's right. very difficult. You, you know, Gaio, for example, .com, we don't exclusively represent them, but we have a relationship like many agencies do with them. You know, it has fantastic comment. It's inc- content. It's incredibly well search optimized. It's very hard to get through that site without being bombarded by every way to make money possible you know, online, and our goal is to try to find less spaces for publishers that give them more value so that they can continue to offer consumers good free content that feels and that is unbiased and at the same time not overly, you know, hurt their senses in further confusing them as to which brands to commit to. So, I mean, that really is the story. So for for our listeners that aren't a part of the travel industry, I just want to uh, step back just a little bit and let uh, people know that um, the travel industry basically has a couple of business models, and and for the most part, offline, which is what you know we we all knew about before the internet came came into being, was a community of agents that would uh, resell. The products of suppliers. So it's a very, very simple. You know, you marry the buyers and sellers, and uh, those people who were able to aggregate the the consumers or or corporate travelers got paid a commission for selling the product. And so when we, and in the advent of the internet uh, in in the mid 90s, when people like Travelocity spun out of Saber, which had been owned by American Airlines, and Expedia uh, came on the scene as a, a child of Microsoft at the time, those companies took that old buyer and seller model and put it online. Uh, some did it better than others, and then over time began adding content. But the original model was a commerce model, which of course became known as e-commerce. And and then uh, along came richer media, you know, which we've been talking about, uh, you know, in the context of of your uh, new product, which I want to talk about just a little bit more here and, and delve uh, deeper into that. But the the whole model uh, about being ad driven. Um, you know, emerged as the Internet uh, really started picking up steam. And by by the early 2000s, you know, that really was a significant model. Now we've got an interesting hybrid that uh, has happened where we've got booking companies that buy content companies. And case in point, you know, Expedia buys TripAdvisor and has all this user-generated content. And then, you know, uh, recently in in November, or I believe December of, of 2011, 
TripAdvisor spins back out. And now the content company is actually bigger and more valuable than than the e-commerce company that had purchased it. So, Nan, um, I, I wanted to just provide that framework for our listeners because you uh, you've made such an amazing point that when your core business is being a media company like Trevora Media had been, to step out and offer a product that can potentially cannibalize your your customers, which uh, is it's a risky play. But, uh, you know, you have uh, managed uh, very elegantly, uh, you know, to stay out of their way. So talk to me uh, and tell our listeners who haven't seen Travora.com, what are they going to encounter when they get there? Right. Um, thank you for asking. And also, that for me was also a great briefing of the travel space. I appreciate that. And it does <laughs> well, I've written a book. Actually, I've written four books on global travel distribution, and one is the history of global <laughs> travel distribution. So I'm happy to send you a copy of that. All right. Well, I am formally inviting you to become my first female board member because um, I don't have one at this point. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, and so so that now we just let like 430 people hear that. So you and I are going to follow up on that. Um, <laughs> right. No, I would love that. And and I'll tell you what, it, it is so much fun watching a company. You know, again, I, I have definitely known uh, you know your predecessors uh, at Travel Ad Network, and and you know had had a number uh, of encounters with them of trying to figure out. Uh, how early a company can get involved. And after you talk about the new Travora site, I want to go back and talk about uh, the uh, media side of the company again. So tell us about Travora. Yeah, okay, well, I'm going to. So um, do not judge us right now by our homepage. And in the end, the company's homepage is only looked at maybe the first three months that they exist. And then at that point, people come in from every other angle, right? So the importance of Travora is it really is something that doesn't exist, and it's what we call destination dashboard. And the 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 best way to understand Travora is to look at our Los Angeles destination center. Um, and and the reason I say that is because what we're trying to do is fill – the reason why we're not competing with our publishers or anyone – is that at first glance, this just looks like another travel portal. At second glance, when you actually go into the site beyond the homepage and land yourself, for example, in a Los Angeles destination center, and by the way, our app shipped last night um, to Apple, and they're very connected. So a couple of things about Travora. First of all, it's travel. So this website that went live um, in beta version October 1st, and we're then launching the next version in December of this year, it went live on your mobile phone, the app just shipped, and it's a website. So it's it's Travora accessible at any location, right? The mobile website is dynamic to the actual site. It was created entirely to be a practical utility for travelers at any time. So we don't view the quote-unquote travel life cycle. And, you know, this is, again, what Henry and I talked about yesterday. I came into this industry and I said, you know, people said, oh, there's the dream phase and then the plan phase and then the go (laughs) phase and then the capture phase and then the remember phase and the share phase. And I said, you know, I'm sorry. I just don't break up my world like that. 
right? right. Well, not only that, by the way, that cycle only applies to 8% of all travel, which is vacation. And somewhere in the neighborhood of 70, uh, you know, 69, 70% of all travel is life travel. And getting back to our previous conversation uh, of tying back in into the medical and, and health world, a huge piece of that is caregiving travel of people our age who are now having to care for, you know, elder uh, people in our lives or friends who have, have gotten, you know, serious illnesses. And so I love your destination portal approach because it applies to life travel and not just vacation. I thank you for that, and and that is such an astute observation. I really appreciate that because, and again, I mean, you know, again, just tying a little bit of the female, you know, executive leadership theme to travel, which which you know you've done right as a right. as a huge influencer in this world. I'm here as a newbie and saying to you, yeah, I'm living that life that you're just talking about, and I created this for myself. I really did. And right. the, reason, the reason why is not only because of the caregiving issue, right? So I have, I don't live in the same town as my parents. Um, you know, there was a study that came out last week that said most all of our children will not be settling down most likely in the same towns as us, right? At any given time between my friends, my family, I have three daughters, 26, 18, and 14, um, and and um, my business colleagues, I am not just tracking where I'm going, but I, and like I said, I can't do math, right? So my problem <laughs> is I have to talk to people in Paris. I have to talk to people in Egypt. I have to talk to people in Los Angeles, and you know what, I feel like a jerk sometimes when I call them and I don't get the time right or I don't actually know what's happening in their destination at the time. They'll be like, man, are you kidding? I have meetings with, um, uh, you know, a, a bunch of meetings with business travel next week. You know, through Travora, I was able to sort of, you know, get out the message to all the different CEOs I was meeting with. Hey, here's the weather. Here's, you know, this and that. So it was created as a way – Listen, at WebMD, people used to always ask me, who did you create the WebMD content for? Is it written for an eighth grader, you know, and I used to, or a sixth grader or a fourth grader, I used to say, you know, I hear you. <laughs> it's written for a human being, okay? Right. Um, you know, it, it doesn't put people in buckets, and that's what we were trying to do, which is, look, for whatever reason that you have to go to Los Angeles, whether, you know, let me orient you as to how you get around, what the maps are, what time it is, what the, what the um, and you'll appreciate this, what the weather is going to be when you travel. Right. So you're able to look at that. Now, the interface isn't fantastic. The destination dashboard part of this has gone over so well that we are redesigning it to making it even more prominent and more interesting and at the same time, we are collecting implicit data. Why is that important? Because as a consumer today, I can't stand, you know, having to give my email address to a jet setter, a living social, a Groupon, whatever it is. I have to give you my email address before you've given me anything. Right. And in the case of Travora, I don't <coughs> have to know. I do not have to know who you are. Once you calculate the time difference. Once you get the weather when you're traveling, and again, we're going to be much more descriptive about this in the next version. Once you once you calculate currency or calculate how, once you're able to, and right now they're not clickable, 
click on, you know, cost things, I'm going to be able to know without having to know who you are or without having to email you right out of the gates. I'm going to be able to know just basically from a segmentation standpoint implicitly when your travel intent right? But I haven't yet offended you by asking you for anything, and I don't right. need to. I don't need to. Um, but what I am going to do when you calculate those travel dates is I'm going to switch out my, I'm going to send you content that's more geared for when you're planning on going there. Right. And that's the other thing that we tried to bring with this timeliness. So travel, as you know, for whatever purpose, is seasonal and the things to enjoy and the things to be aware of um, and pricing variations and where you might want to stay and all those things, you know, are so driven by what's happening in that season that week that day. And none of us um, have the time really to search for this. I'll give you a great example. We We haven't launched yet our whole Caribbean content, but it's coming. And the biggest example of this is I go to St. Martin every year, two two times a year we do Thanksgiving there as a family. And, you know, I worked at WebMD, so I should, I'm the health lady, right, the editor-in-chief of the magazine, been a health journalist my whole life. I should know what I'm about to tell you. We land in St. Martin two years ago, and the island is racked with dengue fever, and here I have my college students and my school students and myself, and none of us can get sick. Well, you know, had I gone to the CDC before I left for the trip, even, you know, and checked out, like, what health alerts were there. So the point is, is that there's so much information, both positive and negative, um, that you can, you need to know about any destination to be a smart traveler because you really need to be focused on other things that we would just like to put it all at your fingertips, whether on the mobile web, on your, you know, in an app, or on Travora, um, at any given time, and that's what we're doing here. We're, we just started. There's a lot of more information that we need to build out. I'm constantly searching for databases where I can then create more and more of the dashboard where people can just put in the information that they need. And as right. I'm, not an on, I'm not an online travel agency, but, yes, there is a way to click through and book a hotel on Travora. There is a way to click through and, you know, book a restaurant should you need to. Right, and and you've actually wrapped uh, what looks to be a very powerful meta search capability, where you are pulling rates from multiple booking sites. And uh, anyway, suffice it to say, if you haven't checked out Travora.com, you need to look at it. It is a very very refreshing uh, change from the status quo, and I am. Uh, known throughout our industry as as an iconoclast who cannot stand the status quo. So uh when I saw Travora, I you know, I told our our producer I absolutely had to have you on and I am so delighted that you were able to do it so quickly. So let's uh turn and talk uh just a little bit more about uh the media side of the business. So how large does a company have to be? Uh, to be able to actually engage with Travora Media and and to use uh, the existing network that you have to drive traffic to a new site? Well, that's a good question. Thank you for asking. You know, our average spend right now on our network, and obviously I'm trying to make that bigger, but but we really do engage at all levels. So we actually have um, one of our best, sales representatives, his name is Jeff Weibel, I don't know if you know him, Chickie, but he's been in no, the industry for a long time. 
he's in Florida. He's in Orlando. And, you know, he does the DMO CVB business. And, you know, the average spend there, to be quite honest with you, um, is anywhere from 15000 um to probably the high range of about 37000 So mm-hmm. it's, it's a much smaller business than I'm used to. But what's nice about it is it's recurring. And, right. and that's typically within a 30- to 45-day period. And okay. um, because of the way a lot of the DMOs work, and a lot of the CVBs work, right, they're actually buying on behalf of their other members, right, their other businesses right. that they support. So they buy what I would consider to be, and the reason why the numbers are small um, is is more because they need a very highly targeted um, qualification, right? They need people that would be those destination or um, attraction, you know, intenders. Right. Right. And so through our network, which is 30 million uniques worldwide, um, you know, we have to find that specifically for them and bring that to them. So those are the kinds of budgets. Now, in in the, in the case of a Cadillac, which is the inaugural sponsor of Torora, as well as running through our new mobile network. So we launched a network called the Mango Mobile Advertising Network for those on the go, mm. and we have aggressively signed up mobile app and web as as much as we have in our online network. And so, for example, we have an exclusive with HopStop, which is a subway app. We support GuidePal and Photopedia and sell ads across those. So I think also for the DMOs and the CVBs, they're very much going to want to play in that, um, you know, impulse geographic space. And so right. those spend I would say those spends are really accessible. And, and, you know, I would be, if I was a DMO or a CVB, I would be focused on, you know, really trying to leverage mobile because that person is now either entered your area or is entering your area, and, you know, they're going to be using a Photopedia. They're going to be using a GuidePal. They're going to be using a Photo right. app. They're going to be using a Let's Go app right, which we built with the Harvard students, you know, they're going to be using one of basically 1.5 billion page views in mobile. And, you know, to be able to have your message there is so contextual and relevant. So basically, I'd say your lowest spend, about 15 grand in a 30-day period, your highest spend on the DMOs and CBBs, somewhere around, it can get as high as, you know, in the hundreds of thousands. Right. Um, so what would you say to a, a company who had gotten its start uh, simply by using the keyword search engine uh, marketing model and who they were spending twenty grand a day on driving traffic that way? Um, what would you say to them about how to also utilize a, a more traditional online media model to drive okay. traffic? Great question. Listen, that's exactly why we created Trevora and also why we created the, you know, with Trevora and, and also just understand we own 10best.com, which we just redesigned. Oh, why, really? Why, yes. So we oh, own that used to be one of my favorite sites. Well, we just redesigned it. The more significant redesign is coming in December, and Trevora and 10best.com have a mutual relationship with each other. Uh-huh. So all of the Travora editors are contributing their 10 best lists. So we just did 10 best ways to stay comfy and coach. I did 10 best health and beauty tips. Um, but here's why that's important to the model. Um, 
at a certain point, our partners, our advertising partners and brands, they need content themselves. They need custom content. Um, right. Why is, well, that was going to be my next question of whether you're syndicating content yeah, or yeah. having an affiliate program yeah, we, that to, is to access it. That's a big part of what we're doing, and here's why. The cost per acquisition that you just talked about. So you look at a company like you were talking about a small company. Let, let's put this in perspective. A company like Priceline, Agoda, they're going to spend a billion years on search, a billion dollars a year on search with Google, a billion, right. acquiring people, right? As is, you know, and you look at these huge numbers with Travelocity and everybody else. They're, they're spending a ton of money on acquisition. They've cut back. Why have they cut back? Because even though the cost per click model, right, so the way it works mm -hmm. is, to your point, you're going to get a click to your website. You're going to pay for that. At least you're paying for something that happened as opposed to brand advertising where you're just paying for an impression. Well, here's where the impression part is important and comes in. You've just acquired that person. You've paid for them. They came to your website. They didn't do what you needed them to do to make money. They didn't book. Uh, they didn't click on an ad. They didn't do that. Well, now you need to create a relationship with that person um, so that they're engaging with you in value-added reasons as time goes on because, in essence, you paid for them. You paid to invite them to your party. They drank your wine. You know, right. they, they ate your food, right? But they didn't give a donation at the door. And so, you know, how are you going to contend with that? Well, you're going to have to, A, build your brand because I do believe in building brands. Right. In, your brand, in your brand value, and B, you're going to do what everybody's done. You're going to create relationship things in your website, things that are more engaging, things that get people to give you their email, things that keep you connected. But at the same time, you have to invest in that. So what a company like ours does is we say, look, we're going to distribute your message with very efficient reach and pricing. We're going to help you brand and bring your brand to people and, 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 and really use your ad display space to create your brand value and to tout the relationship programs or the other value ads that you've done. We're going to help you with your content. We're going to have you sponsor that content on Trevora and on 10 Best and on Fodor's, right, all of whom we represent. Um, Fodor's not exclusively, but we represent exclusive sponsorships with them. Right. And we, we are going to create programs for you that involve custom content that you don't want to invest in, that bring you into a Fodor's environment, a Trevor environment, a 10 Best environment, a Ram McNally environment, right, a Hofstop environment. In the way that you want to be brought in, it's, it's, it's separate from your search budget, but when you pay for someone to come to your site, right, and you want to keep them there and there's only so much you can do in a given month, year, you know, quarter, we're going to have that content there. It will have our brand on it so that people know that it's unbiased, or it will have the Fodor's brand, or it will have the 10 Breath brand, whichever brand you think aligns better with who you are. And at the right. same time, we'll be creating that experience in our environment. So that's really the model. Very interesting. Well, I am I am just so excited to to meet you uh, again because I I I do remember now meeting you at the bar uh at the uh, Attaway conference. But I am even more excited about helping you figure out how to navigate all of this other stuff that our industry is not paying any attention to, <laughs> which is the bulk of travel that is going on and and really addressing 
the traveler from a new perspective. And, you know, Nan, you've shared just some uh, really interesting insights about looking at consumers differently and and not, uh, you know, sitting within the status quo about how it's always been done. And I'm just so delighted that Trevora brought you in and that the investors uh, realized what a, a – uh, an amazing plug that would be to the company of, of just an infusion of, of uh, innovation and uh, bringing all the learning that you did at WebMD. And, and so, again, I'm just really, really excited about you spending time with us today and sharing uh, about uh, building new models. Well, Chiki, I want to thank you um, very deeply and very profoundly on many levels, and here's why. Entering the travel industry was not easy for me, and it's a very fierce industry, as you know. Yes. Um, I, I actually, yeah, we're, we're a tad bit tight-knit as, a, as an industry. Yeah, and, it, and I am a newcomer, and I have a lot to learn, and I am only trying to apply the models that I can apply, and I am very humbled um, by even being, you know, encouraged because there are a lot of naysayers out there. Um, there are naysayers as to women-led companies, and there's naysayers um, to change so late in your career. I'm over 50, um, and to, to make such a radical change, people ask me, why would you do that? Um, and then I said, listen, I've been traveling for the last 30 years. All I do is travel every single solitary day. I've right. got, you know, um, and so, yes, it's a passion to me, and when I, you know, when we are feeling healthy, that is what we're able to do. So, for me, it was a very natural extension, personally, and I have to be personally driven, but I so appreciate the people that have that have the perspective of an industry, you know, um, over decades and decades and how the models change, who can so graciously welcome new people to it and appreciate what we have to bring to it and at the same time can be so complimentary about just a new product that has potential, but, you know, we weren't able to put it all there in the beginning. So we thank you tremendously and, you know, I'm – I, I really do want to seek more of your um, insights and support as a company. I'm so thrilled that you reached out. Well, you've out. absolutely got it. And just finding another 50-year-old woman or 50-plus woman who has a 14-year-old daughter, I have I have a freshman in high school. Her name is Kira. And uh, I, I am enjoying the journey of, of being an older mom, and I think that it, it is uh, it's just an amazing uh, part of my life. And I have to be driven personally, too, so you and I have that in common as well. Well, Nan, I just, uh, again, thank you so much for uh, stepping up so quickly uh, to our, our producer, Patty's, a request to be on the show today. We had a, a, a spot. She had booked things all the way through the end of the year, but we had this one spot uh, where we had a cancellation. So you were a lifesaver today in giving us uh, not just a fill-in uh, call, but a really, really amazing call. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and end the recorded portion of the call now, and uh, you and I can uh, wrap up uh, and figure out how we're going to get together on, on the other fronts that we've talked about. But again, for those listening, this has been the Executive Girlfriends Group, and uh, we really appreciate you joining us today. And we have uh, actually an amazing call next week that you won't want to miss. Uh, re returning to the Executive Girlfriends Group, Catherine Crowley and Kathy Elster, and they are going to be talking about their latest book, which is called Mean Girls at Work. So join us next Friday, and we look forward to having you.